It actually was a little bit of a fear that I had had all day long, thinking that I was going to get up here, a little hot, get up here and say good morning. So, might as well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, welcome to New Hope for Good Friday. Please turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. You didn't see that coming, did you? It'll be a while before we get there, though. Um, Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, as we listen to the music that was beautifully played, we we, uh, listen to those words, we read them on the screen, We pray that you would give us an awareness of your presence here with us tonight. Father, we know that we have hauled baggage through those doors tonight. We have hauled things that are keeping us in bondage, things that we need to let go of, things that are standing in the way of our relationship with you. Father, I sincerely pray that my friends here tonight will think seriously about the cross and what it means for the cross to be a part of their story what it means for the cross to be a part of your story being lived out in our community, in our country, in our world, in your kingdom, on earth as it is in heaven. In the most holy name I pray of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I think we had a pretty good edge lesson last week. A couple of... uh, Students are in the room tonight. You can all uh, you can all thank your 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 edge students for helping me write the sermon. Basically, the entire sermon was was written by them last week. So, or at least it was inspired. We started our discussion um, with a quote by John Henry Cardinal Newman. Um, the quote was: "Fear not, that thy life shall come to an end." but rather that it shall never have a beginning. So I asked about this quote, and the first responses that we got that were very practical. After all, we should be thankful um, that we were born in the first place. Granted, I doubt that many of us stay awake at night with anxiety over the possibility that we had never been born, but I don't think we spend nearly enough time in prayer, just thanking God that we're a part of this. Like, you think about the way God put all of this universe together. I am so thankful to him for making me just a tiny little speck of this. I may feel, um, it may feel perfectly natural for us to thank him for the lives of our children, 
for our friends, for our family, but I do wonder how many of us are truly thankful for the life that he has blessed us with. So that was like step one with the quote. And then we started digging a little bit more. It was a great place to begin the conversation with that on that Newman quote, but a lot more had to be done. And the next thing the class brought up was um, the life that we have in Jesus. As in, fear not that thy life shall end, but rather rejoice in Christ's new creation that has given rebirth to everything that is you. This, of course, was the logical next step for a Sunday school class. They made the answer Jesus. And I can't argue with that. I mean, that's why we're here, right? We want to talk about Jesus. We want to pray to Jesus. We want to give our lives to Jesus. Because hopefully, we as Christ followers know that apart from Jesus, there is only death. I think it's important to know that there aren't like several different categories to this of like, um, well, there's death, and then there's life without Jesus, and then there's life with Jesus, right? No, there's death, and then there's Jesus. Jesus is the way to life. Without him, we've embraced death. The point is that as Jesus himself remarked on occasion, there are those only two categories, death and Jesus. Therefore, we get another step towards understanding that Newman quote. Let me say it again. Fear not that thy life shall come to an end, but rather that it shall never have a beginning. And that being said, I still wasn't, I wasn't there yet. There was something else I wanted out of that class. Say what you will about my teaching techniques. But one of the things I loved about teaching the edge is opening up this conversation over a biblical text and just seeing where the Spirit leads us. Often I find that my job is merely to guide the conversation by keeping it on task rather than uh, having some sort of solid agenda. So the fact that the conversation had gotten to Jesus was telling me that we were on the right path. If Jesus was the answer, then we needed to find out what he said. And more importantly, what he did. The rest of our discussion that day was on what he said. Specifically, I wanted to look at the text that spoke about the coming of the kingdom, or a text that spoke about the coming of the kingdom. And I took them to Luke 17. And there's a bit of variety in verses 20 and 21 on how these verses are translated. The New King James Version says, The kingdom of God does not come with observation nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The NIV says that the kingdom is in your midst. The NRSV says the kingdom is among you. The message says something similar to that. And I noticed when I was reading um, N.T. Wright's translation that he uses the words, and he mentions this in his commentary, he says, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. He said it's important to note that God's kingdom is coming and it's already here. It's so close, it's within your grasp. It's so close that you could reach your hand out and touch it. And I thought about that. It's like I could reach my filthy, polluted, sin-saturated hand out and touch God's holy kingdom? Listen to how Peterson translates the rest of that section. 
He went on to say to his disciples, The days are coming when you're going to be desperately homesick for just a glimpse of one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see a thing. And they'll say to you, Look over there, or look here. Don't fall for any of that nonsense. The arrival of the Son of Man is not something you go out to see. He simply comes. You know how the whole sky lights up from a single flash of lightning? That's how it'll be on the day of the Son of Man. But first it's necessary that he suffer many things and be turned down by the people of today. Picking up back in, uh, in verse 34, he says, On that day, two men will be in the same boat fishing, one taken, the other left. Two women will be working in the same kitchen, one taken, the other left. And trying to take all this in, the disciples said to Jesus, Master, where are they going to be taken? And he told them, Watch for the circling of the vultures. They'll spot the corpse first. The action will begin around my dead body. Dead body? Well, that reminds us of the original quote from the start of the Edge class. Fear not that thy life shall end, but rather that it shall never have a beginning. So there's something to connect Jesus' death with our touching the kingdom of God. So then I was reminded of a story from 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6, there's this story um, of the Davidic era when David had decided that he needed to transport the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And they're transporting it, first of all, in a way that they had no business transporting it. They're told specifically in Torah, we remember, uh, how they're supposed to transport it with the rungs and the poles and on the shoulders of the priests, but they're not doing that. They're hauling it in a cart with oxen. It says, when they came to the thrashing floor, Uzzah, one of the men that was helping carry it along, he put out his hand to the ark of God. And he took hold of it because the oxen stumbled. So, you know, their ark is going along. And the oxen stumble. And it's probably a little rocky road. And the ark starts to shift. And Uzzah, being a good Jew, put his hand out and said, No, 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 no. Don't just keep that back on there. And then the heavens opened up. And God looks down and says, Thank you, Uzzah. Not what happened, is it? That joke was from R.C. Sproul. I love it when he does that. Anyway. No. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. So that reminded me. When I saw that, the kingdom of God is within your grasp. That reminded me of that hand that tried to steady the ark of God's holiness. And suddenly, Good Friday started to mean a lot to me. This kingdom, this thing that will change the world is going to have something to do with death. 
the image of vulture circling a dead carcass is the image that Jesus wants us to use right now. I wanted them to see right then. Luke tells us a rather detailed account of Jesus' crucifixion in chapter 23. After facing the Sanhedrin, Jesus goes before Pilate, who sends him to Herod, who sends him back to Pilate, who repeatedly remarks that he finds no fault in Jesus. Pilate even offers to have Jesus chastised and then released because it was the custom for one prisoner to be released at the Passover. The crowd refused and instead asked for the reliefs of Barabbas, a man whose crimes were rebellion and murder. No, no, the crowd insisted. Give us Barabbas. And as for Jesus, crucify him. Crucify him. And he was led away. Picking up in, in chapter 23, in verse 32, there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand on the other, and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the other people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then, one of the criminals who were hanging, hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour when there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. And then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to, to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. I find no fault in this man. Crucify. 
crucified. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. This is the King of the Jews. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The kingdom of God is within your grasp. Sin separates us from God. The holiness of God is something that we can count on. He lowers the bar for none of us. Look to your left. Look to your right. Every one of us in this room here tonight desperately needs Jesus. His redeeming work on the cross bridges the great void between our flawed humanity and his sovereignty. We're Christians. We are a people who hold the resurrection at the center of our identity. The new creation that begins Sunday needs today. Because you can't come back from life. You can't come back from the dead if you're not dead. Sunday, we'll celebrate the new life we have in the risen Christ. But tonight, let's consider the crucified Lord. Let's consider what role the cross plays in our story. Let's consider what the cross says about being a Christian. So often the world, they want to peg Christians maybe as these secluded people or these sheltered people that just stay underneath of rocks away from the real world. What if Christians were the people of the world who were known for having the most realistic outlook on human depravity? We weep and we lament for the horrors that we see on the news. But we know that we can look it in the, in the face and we can read that and we can say that sin and the distance between us and God will not have the last word because it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. How do we respond? you're here tonight and you've known Jesus for some time, I would just challenge you to consider how the cross speaks into the, all of the aspects of your life. What does it mean for the cross to be a part of your story? And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus fully as Lord and Savior, I would invite you to make this decision here tonight, to trust in his new beginning, to know that new creation has been offered to you, and to touch the kingdom that is within your grasp. We're going to celebrate communion now. As this holy, we're going to celebrate communion. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, I should read this. Sorry. We're going to celebrate communion now. Um, the communion table at New Hope is an open table. And we invite all disciples of Jesus Christ to come forward. If you do not trust Jesus as king, you shouldn't feel obligated to participate. The bread is unleavened, 
and the red is wine, and the white is grape juice. But first, though, please stand and join as churches throughout the centuries have done in reading the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Please come forward to receive the elements, then bring them back to your seat with you so that we may all partake together. Matthew tells us in his gospel, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Paul tells us, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Even so, 